You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Listening. Damn. Hello and welcome once again for another to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I'm your host Angie Machado, and joined with me, as always, is our beat writer Jake Hedberg down in Corvallis. Um, hey, Jake, how are you this fine Monday? Pretty good, you know. Uh, fully moved in down in Corvallis. You know, it was a great, uh, great Saturday. Lots of fun football. Uh, really looking forward to seeing Corvallis rocking again come Saturday. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit a little bit about that. First game in the newly expanded new side of Reeser Stadium. Um, we're going to talk about the atmosphere some. Um, getting around, we, we, saw, we met a lot of you, um, Beaver Blitz fans and Beaver fans, so that was a lot of fun. We'll talk a little about that, though, too. Um, quick rundown of the show. We are going to talk UC Davis uh, and just what we saw, our, our thoughts. It's hard to judge and make too much uh, analysis on that game because it was very uh, – Kind of a scrimmage feel, wouldn't you say, Jake? Yeah, you know, um, I really thought they kind of kept the, everything on offense pretty vanilla. You know, they really didn't open the playbook a whole lot, um, which is to be expected. You know, Oregon State now, I believe, has six ranked teams on their schedule. So, you know, they've got to come up with different stuff every game. So I, I, I did feel like the purpose of Saturday's game was to keep the playbook thin, get younger guys in the game and get them experience. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk some more about that. We talk, we'll talk, preview some San Diego State. Uh, the Aztecs come to town, 12:30 kick on Saturday at Reeser Stadium. We'll talk some about today's ruling for a temporary temporary restraining order issued by a judge up in Washington State. Um, it was really a win for Oregon State and Washington State on this um, legal battle that they are embarking upon here with this pack two that's left and kind of how this is all going to, to go forward. We'll talk some of that. Um, Jake and I both are not legal experts, but uh, we do want to kind of dive into that because it was a really important decision today. Uh, and then we will take your mailbag questions. So we have a ton of questions in the Logic Beaver Blitz. If you have any comments or questions throughout the show and you're watching us live on YouTube, make sure to pop them in the comments and we will get to them as we can. But first, let's talk New Side of Research Stadium before we jump into UC Davis. Jake, first time in a press box, first time in the research press box, what were your overall, just your takeaway? Yeah, I mean, the press box was pretty cool. Um, it was, you know, it was really nice. It was um, a lot better than what I expected and uh, from what I've heard a lot better than previous years. Um, and then, you know, during halftime, getting to go walk through Beaver Street, you know, just check it out, experience it. I thought it was pretty cool. You know, I came away from our walkthrough uh, about a month ago now, very impressed. And to see it with fans at a full capacity sellout was was it was just really amazing. Yeah, it was a treat. Um, we got down there a little bit early um, and got to meet some Beaver fans around the stadium. Super fun. Um, just we love it to, um, seeing fans. My son even said somebody yelled at him, um, recognized my my youngest son who was down there. So. Um, Hat tip to you. He was he was kind of in shock that somebody would recognize him and ask him if I was if Jake and I were coming over to the tailgate. So 
Um, we do try to make our way around tailgates. If you have a tailgate at these home games um, and you're kind of near the stadium in some capacity, drop us a note, let us know. We'd love to stop by, say hi, talk a little beaver football with you guys and um, just let us know. So let's talk UC Davis. Um, okay, the one thing I did think was cool about the stadium was the lights. I know they yeah, have to kind of work sick. those out a little bit, um, but the, the LED lights were a fun touch. I know there were some issues with the speakers. I guess the, the speakers did not come in um, in time. So hopefully they're in this week. But um, I, I heard a lot of complaints about that and food lines. Um, hopefully they learned a lot of things that they can clean up on. But overall, I thought it was a good day. UC Davis, 55 to 7. Carter Baines actually had the closest staff pick on that. But everybody was pretty close. We only saw the starters for the first half. And then it was all second and third teamers. Let's talk first half. What were your your takeaways there on you know DJ Damian Martinez, the defense? Your your instant takeaways from those? Yeah, you know the biggest takeaway straight off the bat was how really dominant the defensive line was. You know I, I believe they had at least ten. I think they finished with eleven tackles for loss in the first half. And you know really and eight eight of those were from defensive linemen. You know guys like Isaac Hodgins. Um, Sione Hulohea, Corey Stover, even uh, all those guys were constantly in the backfield just wreaking havoc. And really after that one big run on the, f- the first drive from um, uh, the the running back, Oregon State defensively toned in. You know, what I saw from that was very promising. And then on the other side of the ball, the offense looked really good. Granted, the competition level is not the best, but – once again, TJ looked really efficient. You know, uh, a, a big thing is he took care of the ball again because I know he had his struggles with that at Clemson through two games. Knock on wood, he's still yet to turn the ball over. So that's a very positive sign thus far. Yeah, like you said, it, it it's just hard to take too much away just because Oregon State just size-wise is, is so much bigger and stronger than, than UC Davis. But um, I look at it compared to Big Sky Montana State that Oregon State played last year and and Montana State was able to to do some more mm-hmm. uh, damage. Granted, yeah. Montana State is is the top of the Big Sky, but UC Davis is you know top yeah. three. Yeah, they're they're not a terrible FCS team at all. I mean, they came into the game ranked 17th or 16th in the at the FCS level. So by no means is this team a slouch. I think that they would beat um, some lower level FBS teams. Yeah, so I agree with you. I think DJ looked efficient. I, I love the play of the D line though. I, I think I know that was one of the big questions after game yeah. week one. San Jose State was just the lack of a pass rush. That was by design, I think, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But we were able to see um, see those guys. And I, it does appear that Isaac Hodgins, after all his kind of battling injuries, and he looked to be full strength on yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, you know, Hodgins really the first. It was really in the 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 first quarter. He was just in the backfield every snap whether it was pressuring the quarterback, tackling over runner behind the line, or even sacking the quarterback. He was just back there. Um, he would, he's very quick for a defensive, uh, a defensive tackle. And I think the depth they've got at that spot with him, Joe Golden, uh, Rawls, Thomas Collins, Quincy Wright, they're deep. So that's really exciting to, to see because in years past they've had one or two guys, whereas now they have four to five to six guys that can consistently pressure the quarterback and affect the game in a positive way. So what are you hoping to see this week that maybe you haven't seen the first two weeks of the season? 
You know, I would like to see the secondary come up with an interception. Um, they have done great. You know, they the first group especially, the second group's kind of got picked on um, at the last drive of every game, giving up two touchdown passes. But the starting group hasn't given up a touchdown pass. They've limited two starting quarterbacks to 51 yards and 143 yards. Mm-hmm. I just want to see a, a big play, you know, whether that's from Jaden Robinson, Achille Arnold, both guys who have multiple passes broken up and have really played great football to start the season. I'm hoping someone in that back end can come up with a huge play on Saturday. Yeah, and you, you talk about the guys getting picked on the second group. Jermaud McCoy, Tyrese Ivey are the two that kind of come to mind. But do you, how much of that do you feel is just kind of the growing pains of trying to get up yeah. to this? I mean, both brand new to the system, mm-hmm. Jermaud even more so than, than Tyrese, who was here for the spring. But first Pac-12 snaps, I mean, do, do you think they'll – what midseason you expect them to be a little bit more informed what what's your thought process there yeah i mean the second group there they are a younger group um i believe outside alton julian none of them had really played before at least outside of special teams jack connie's played there but you really i think those growing pains are natural you're going to see them and i mean talking specifically about a guy like jermaud he's I thought Jermaud has been the best guy in that second group. He's been uh, – he has two passes broken up through two games, which is third on the team. He's been uh, – and he hasn't played as, as much as a lot of those guys have. Um, but the back end, the safeties, that kind of concerns me. Obviously getting Alton Julian full, fully back up to speed. And then Jack Conne got banged up towards the end of the game. Uh, Coach Smith said he's not looking great to play on Friday – or excuse me, on Saturday. High um, ankle so if, sprain? Is that what I heard? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, so if something would potentially happen to Catan or Achille Arnold, that's where that depth really becomes an issue. So that's really my biggest question mark at this point is secondary depth. Okay. So has there been a position group that has surprised you in a good way uh, the first two games of the season? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's the starting group in the secondary. You know, for me, Oregon State's passing game was really heads and sh- shoulders above the secondary during fall camp. And I, I was a little nervous, especially with the San Jose State game, seeing uh, Chevin Cordero throw for three touchdowns on a USC team. But that our secondary has been dominant. Uh, that starting group's allowed less than 200 yards through two games, no touchdown passes, multiple passes broken up. Um, really been a very pleasant surprise. And I think they'll keep, the, keep that up uh, on Saturday. San Diego State's passing attack through what I have seen is not great. So is there a group then on the flip side, beside the, the second group of the secondary that you maybe have expected more from, or is it pretty much been what you expected from the rest of the team? Through this point, pretty much what I've expected, you know, DJs looked really good. The running backs, I mean, fans know what Oregon State's running backs can do. The receiving group has been well, they've shown a lot of depth. Tight ends have looked solid. Offensive lines dominant. Defensive line has impressed. And, the line hacking cores really come on strong. You know, we've seen a handful of guys, uh, Makai Tung, Melvin Jordan, guys that maybe aren't listed high on the depth chart. You, they've they've come in and they've really made a positive impact. So, yeah, I th- both those guys that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. Melvin Jordan and Makai Tung, have impressed. Calvin Hart too, although he was out. Yeah, he was banged up. Yeah, but uh, I, do we expect him back? Uh, yeah, San Diego. Okay. Uh, Calvin and Anthony Gould are both expected to play as of now, but okay. a late development could hinder that. Um, okay. 
at the moment. Because I think I think it was a stinger for for Hart. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what's ailing um, Anthony Gould, but hopefully they haven't said anything about Gould. So how about how about Silas Bolden's punt return? Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some controversy now in the special teams room. You know, if it's Gould or Bolden, you know, one's first team all Pac-12, one's second team. So it'll be interesting (laughs) to see. Pretty sure the little internal battle going on (laughs) in the Oregon State locker room. Um, it was great though. After the game, Silas basically said that Anthony told him, "Take one to the house." You know, yeah, he did. So it's it's good to see. Um, who gets your game ball from this this past week? Um, offense. I, I feel like with Silas Bolden, he's a guy that really he impacted the game not only on offense but special teams as well. He was the leading receiver by almost forty yards. I think exactly forty yards actually. Um. He had his first touchdown catch of the year, and then he made a big play on special teams. You know, uh, big sixty-five yard punt, a punt taken back. But on the defense side of the ball, Isaac Hodgins again, a guy that really just a guy who's been in the program, dealt with a lot of adversity, and now he's appears to be fully healthy, and he was dominant on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I, it's hard to argue with those. A couple fun moments that just so. Second half of the game, second teamers went in. We saw some Aiden Childs, saw the electricity that he can bring. I love watching him on the sideline. He plays loose. He's into the huddle. He kind of dances. Watching him take off and run was fun to see. How about that throw from Childs to Riley Sharp? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm very curious to what is the uh, biggest age gap for a touchdown pass, but 17 years old to believe Riley Sharp's 25 has got to be up there. Um, very interesting to think about because when Riley Sharp graduated high school, Aiden Charles was 10 years old. If I'm doing That's the math nuts. right, if I'm doing the math right, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, 10 years was, old. Was Riley Sharp part of the 20? He was class of 2016 because he took, his, two year he took his two year mission and they got here midway through 18, 18. in Jonathan Smith's first year. That's crazy. So crazy. that's. To me, that was kind of an interesting tidbit. You know, I'm very intrigued to find out what the biggest gap in age is because that's got to be up there. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, Childs is a guy that really we've seen what he can do um, through practices, even from day one in spring practice. And now, really, the rest of not only Beaver Nation, but the country is going to slowly start to see what Aiden can do. And at, at, at this point, while Coach Smith hasn't come out and said it, I really don't think Aiden is going to redshirt. Yeah, uh, I, I don't either. There's no reason to. I mean, yeah, there's um, no reason to. I think he is going to be not spending longer than three years in Corvallis anyway. I think he's talented enough to be an NFL guy in three years. I do feel like, it, while age may hinder him, I do feel like come 2025, if he has two years as the Oregon State starting quarterback playing what we know he's capable of, he should be a first round NFL draft pick. Um, I mean, he's, he is, he's special. He's a special talent. Yeah. Um, and we've seen little glimpses, but Jake and I've seen him in practice and some of the things he can do is spectacular. One thing that we didn't see being in the press box that you can see on TV and, and somebody posted about it in the lodge was after his touchdown, he, he came to the sideline and DJ had grabbed a, a pad and was like writing notes down. So um, DJ being the mentor and veteran that, you always love to see when a, when a veteran can help 
bring along a, a younger guy, but you know, talk about an offense that has been spreading the ball around both running backs and receivers. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be hard to game plan for for Oregon State offense if you're if yeah you're defense. Really, I mean, uh, this was brought up in today's press conference, but Oregon State has six touchdown passes this year. All six are to different receivers or tight ends, which is really there's guys that can bring you deep. There's guys that can kill you underneath. I feel like the offense just has so many different elements that last year they just didn't have. And and one of the biggest, I think, is, is just DJ's legs. He yeah, has that, that ability is, to, yeah. to run it in. And they've kept it pretty non-running yet. Uh, he's been – I think they're saving that up for – you know, Pac-12 play because he has shown at Clemson. I mean, he ran for over 500 yards and almost 10 touchdowns last year. So he has proven he can really change the game. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a great quarterback. Yeah. So UC Davis, that was a huge win. Um, and and honestly, it was a game that I think it went how it was supposed to go. I mean, how everybody expected. And I think Beaver fans can get caught up sometimes on we've seen that not maybe go the way it's supposed to go when you play a, a lower level team, a lower division team. We've seen Sac State, we've seen Eastern Washington, we've seen some of those games go sideways in the past. So for Oregon State to take care of business the way they were supposed to do, um, I think is big. And I, and I think it also shows the commitment um, to focus that Coach Smith and the coaching staff, staff have um, to keep these guys focused on a team that would probably be easy for them to overlook, but they came out very businesslike, um, and took care of what they were supposed to do, 55 to 7. Yeah. Changing gears now, um, I do want to want to talk a little bit now. We, we haven't talked about the whole Pac-12, Pac-2 realignment in a few weeks, just because not a lot has gone on. It's been kind of quiet. Um, but things are starting to stir again. And so um, Oregon State and Washington State brought a, um, a court case that was, was, was tried today in Whitman County, Washington, asking for a temp temporary restraining order for the PAC-2. So little backstory, it sounds like Commissioner Klyakov and the remaining 10 teams wanted to hold a board meeting on Wednesday to discuss payment and retention of the PAC-12 staff. They wanted to discuss, you know, the thought process is if they were, they could vote, they could potentially dissolve the entire conference in a vote um, that would really put Oregon State and Washington State in a in a bind. So Oregon State goes to court with their newfound best friends, Washington State, and um, asked the the judge for this restraining order. It was granted. Now I watched part of the of the proceedings. It was interesting to see because what I saw the the Oregon State and uh, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Here's here's a comment in the. It said Tosh Lupoy leading the Pac-12 legal defense. Their defense was so bad. It was not good. I, I have a son, my older son actually was in mock trial this last year. And I think those high school kids were better spoken. <laughs> I, I get it. It was a very quick turnaround. This was like filed on Friday. They had the weekend. But um, I guess you also don't have a leg to stand on in this. The judge vote or did rule in the in the Oregon State, Washington State's favor. That meeting that was going to happen on Wednesday is no longer going to happen. The one thing that they did agree upon was that if for the actual running of the PAC 12 conference for this year and the, the network and, and all the inner workings there, if anything needed to be decided to keep the conference running this year, it would have to be by unanimous vote. 
So Oregon State and Washington State could still veto basically anything. It has to be unanimous. So that's big. I mean, you, you got to keep the lights on. You have to keep everything going this year. You have contractual um, obligations. However, now it's go time, I think. Um, now we start going into potential lawsuits. We start going into a lot of different directions. It's going to be really interesting to see what can be uncovered if they start in a discovery phase. Um, I've heard a lot of rumblings about um, looking into whether presidents maybe knew about, you know, breaking away before they actually did. Um, it, it just makes sense. I, I did love one point today in the in the proceedings when the Pac-12 legal team made the comment. I don't know if you saw, you were probably in Coach Smith's press conference, Jake, but they were trying to make the argument that the Pac-10 or the 10 or eight remaining members, because once USC, UCLA, and Colorado mm -hmm. left, they were no longer voting. So it was the Pac, what, seven, nine. eight? nine <laughs> that they had not given their um, withdrawal notice to the conference. So therefore like officially given that they were withdrawing and it was brought up that actually you did, you told the world on social media and you made mm -hmm. a big deal about it so that the judge actually ruled. Um, like I said, it, it's a, a good break for Oregon state. It's going to be really interesting to see where this goes, how long it gets drug out but um, score one for the little guy right now because um, this was important. Yeah, you know, I do think this was a step in the right direction. Um, it really, it is, it's really, it's really interesting to follow this whole thing. You know, I'm not very clear on it. Should have been paying more attention in, <laughs> in business law class uh, last year. But everything I've I'm understanding and taking away is this is a positive for Oregon state and Washington state. Um, and I'm just, I'm really intrigued to see how the rest of this whole process plays out. You know, there's a bunch of different options at this point, um, having not the control, but in a sense, Oregon state and Washington state do have control over vetoing. And I don't know if this is true, but seeing how, like I, I saw something that was like the pack, the 10 schools want, Oregon State and Washington State to help pay their exit fees, where in my mind, um, that's absurd. Yeah, no, you know, like, that's crazy. I saw that too, and I don't know if that's in what legit. other In what other workspace, business, yeah. in the world of business, why and when has that ever happened? Um, and like, why? Because like, f I mean, from Oregon State and Washington State's perspective, you kind of just got to be like, screw them. I mean, yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it is interesting. But. I mean, I saw that too, and I can't even imagine. Like, yeah, can you imagine just going to your boss and then, yeah, I'm leaving. And by the way, can you pay my moving expenses? Because, mm -hmm. because I, I can't even. Yeah, make yeah. the Big Ten do it. Make the Big Twelve do yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's not um, like those conferences can't afford it. Yeah. Um, why make programs in schools that are already, you know, struggling enough from the whole process? struggle even more it it it's really stupid and to me it's kind of it's almost like insulting yeah yeah and and the thought process that that they wanted to have this meeting potentially on wednesday where you know they theoretically could have voted to dissolve the entire conference and that really would have screwed oregon state washington state um yeah. because i think the idea is they wanted to split the the money so interesting it's a total interesting take I, it looked, now I don't know anything about this group, this law firm that, or the law, lawyers that are representing the two 
But today they had, I'm going to swear a little bit, they had their shit together compared to the Pac-12 um, team. So I felt better watching those guys um, because I've watched lawyers and even if they have bad cases, they usually can kind of just speak like they know they're talking about and uh, come across as, I, I don't know. I was not impressed watching the Pac-12 lawyer today. Um, but let's see what happens. This is going to be interesting. I have, I have some inside, um, you know, some people inside Oregon State, inside Pac-12, inside some of the other schools. And they've actually said, watch, there, there's some things that might kind of trickle out of this. So um, like I said, I'm one of the things I've been told kind of to watch for is when USC started talking to Big Ten and Carol Folt in particular, the, the, the past president of USC that was there when they decided to leave, because if it comes out in discovery that she knew about this move potentially before she voted to block Pac-12 expansion, that could be that could be big and that could open a lot of floodgates. Here, yeah, yeah. here's a here's a comment, Roger. You've heard the same thing. So, um, I, and I've also heard Apple could be getting involved. And if Apple gets involved, then all bets are off because if Apple feels that there was collusion involved between Fox and ESPN to co to keep them out of the college football market. Apple's got deep pockets and that could be, that could be ugly, but Oregon state doesn't have time to waste. Um, we are going to talk, I, I didn't have this in our rundown, but I do want to bring up a couple things. The um, damnation NIL has started a, it's a matching. It's a $1 million dollar for dollar match right now. Um, so any dollar that gets given to the damnation NIL will be going to um a matching program. They're hoping to raise $2 million as soon as possible. From what I've heard, that is really kind of, the, they want to line their pockets to help retain players should that need to happen. Uh, the other area that I've heard, and I haven't got this, it, it sounds like it's a little more quietly going on with the foundation is some fundraising efforts in play to help raise money to secure coaches salaries. So there are things going on behind the scenes to help should Oregon State, Washington State decide to go independent or, or do, you know, if they have to do with less money, depending on what happens, there are moves going on behind closed doors. So um, I, I did have someone ask me if the damnation NIL matching thing was legit. Yes, it is. So um, if you choose to give, you know that that is being matched dollar for dollar. So um, if you need um, any links to that, it's in the lodge at Beaver Blitz. Anything else you want to add to to the litigation? It's going to be intriguing, guys. And like like Jake said, neither one of us are, are lawyers. We can we can talk football all day long, but maybe not as well versed on the law. But we will discuss it because it's kind of dramatic, and I think it needs to be discussed because it's it's Oregon State's livelihood, and mm -hmm. so um, that's a big one. Okay, we are going to take a quick break for the podcast side. Um, to run some ad, a couple ads to help pay the bills there. Um, but in the meantime, make sure you are a member of beaverblitz.com. We are the source for all breaking news, recruiting, football, basketball, baseball. Um, it's a great place to be. The Lodge is the most active um, fan inter, in, or interaction active fan site in for Oregon State Beaver fans. So get in the Lodge, join the conversation. Lots of people smarter than Jake and I in the law too, discussing this over there. So um, join us, beaverblitz.com, and uh, it's going to be a fun season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, Jake. Welcome back um, to the Damn Podcast if you're listening on the podcast side. If you've been watching us on YouTube, we are back. And now let's 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 talk transition from law and legalese to football again. This is what this is what we get paid to do, Jake. <laughs> San Diego State, last warm-up game before the Pac-12. And we're gonna talk some Pac-12. I didn't put that in the rundown either, but we do I want to talk about Pac-12 because it's pretty exciting mm-hmm. what's going on in the conference right now as far as where teams are. San Diego State has been kind of a juggernaut, you know, kind of in that lump with the Boise State, Fresno State, San Diego State as the better Mountain West teams. This year they've struggled a little bit. Um, they did beat Ohio 20 to 13 in zero week, beat Idaho State 36-28, but then lost at home to UCLA on Saturday 10 to 35. UCLA was able to put up 550 yards of offense on them. 254 on the ground, 296 through the air. Bruins were able to hold the Aztecs to 63 yards rushing and 196 passing. How do you think Oregon State fares against the Aztecs? Yeah, you know, I've, I've I watched almost the entirety of San Diego State's first game. I've been following along their box scores, you know, watching little breakdowns of their games. And I have not came, I've not come away impressed. I think San Jose State is significantly better than San Diego State. Um, in years past, San Diego State's always had a great run game, you know, with running backs like Donald Pumphrey and Ronnie Hillman. And to go with really, they've historically in recent years had a stifling defense. Yeah. As now that really doesn't appear to be the case, you know. Brady Hoke, he's a familiar face um, in Corvallis, coached at Oregon State. Really a f- familiar face nationally as well. Um, but I'm really haven't been too impressed with this Aztec team. You know, Jalen Hayden, their quarterback, he's a converted safety. Uh, originally was at Mississippi state, I think. And he, he's a threat running the ball, but through the air, I have not come away overly impressed. I think he has like 450 passing yards through three games. Um, I feel like Oregon state, this is a game where their offense or excuse me, their defense is going to come out and really dominate. Um, Offensively, Oregon State matches up well. San Diego State has had issues stopping the run as UCLA ran all over them. And I don't think UCLA has running back as good as Damian Martinez or a quarterback as good as DJU. Yeah. Um, So I see Oregon State getting ahead early, and I see Oregon State winning this game very comfortably. Okay. So Jalen Maiden, I remember that name from recruiting. You're right. I believe he did go to Mississippi Mississippi State. State through three interceptions against UCLA and like I said, under 200 yards passing. How, how do you play him? Do you play him like Oregon state played Cordero in that you maybe hold back and and hold your lanes or do you try to rush him? I think you, you try and make him throw the ball. He, 
I think Jalen Maiden is a bigger threat running the ball than he is push, trying to push the ball downfield. Um, not really impressed with San Diego State's receivers. The, their tight end is good. Um, Mark Redmond, the Washington transfer. Uh, so that'll be an interesting player to keep an eye on. But I, I do think Oregon State is going to try and keep – you know, they're going to go back to Cordero game plan where they're going to try and keep Jalen com- contained in the pocket and make him beat Oregon State by throwing the ball, which through what I've seen will most likely bode well for Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, so do you, do you think this game's going to be potentially easier than San Jose State was? Yeah, I think okay. – I think San Jose State is two touchdowns better than San Diego State. Okay. Um, I, you know, Idaho State almost beat SDSU. Ohio, I think if Nathan Rourke, their quarterback, who is a really good quarterback, mm-hmm. he he's a stud. Um, or is it Curtis? It's one of the Rourke brothers, um, whichever one's still there. I think it's Curtis. Um, if he stays healthy, he was out for the game after the first quarter. I think Ohio wins that game comfortably. Okay, so it's at home as well. So San, San Jose, we, Oregon State was on the road there. So, I yeah, looking at what they did, what the Bruins were able to do, I think that would hold, that should bode well for Oregon State. Home mm-hmm. crowd, 12.30 kick, should be a really nice day. It's supposed to be like 90, I think, 90. that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it should be a, a good, nice game. Do you think the Oregon State's going to be able to keep it then pretty vanilla yeah, for that, I, that Pac-12 season? I do think – with Oregon State's three non-conference games, I think they're going to keep things very under wraps. They're going to show things they've shown in game one and game two, and then come Washington State, which is going to be a tough game, which will be a really tough game, actually. I think you're going to see the playbook open up, and you're going to see a whole different offense. Okay, let's 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 transition then into the Pac-12 play because we are two less than two weeks away from, you know, like I said, I don't want to overlook San Diego State. Um, I, I seem to remember, I think it was that 2000 year that San Diego State was, that was on the schedule that, that year too. Um, however, I, I think the Pac-12 right now, eight teams ranked in the top 25. Two thirds of the conference. It's crazy. The only teams not ranked in the top 25 are the Bay Area and the Arizona schools. Nuts. Okay, did you watch any Colorado this week? I did. I watched the second half. Are you on the um, Are you on the Colorado hype train? Not, <laughs> not fully on board. I do. I haven't seen enough defensively from them because, I mean, plain and simple, Nebraska sucks on offense. There, Jeff Sims is a terrible quarterback. Um, he, yeah, I, I, I think the Oregon game will be more of a tell from them, um, you know, going up against, I mean, Oregon has a, a solid offense. They don't have a defense, but they have a solid offense. And I think that game will be really, you'll be able to take away a lot more from that to see how well Colorado's defense does. Cause they gave up 42 points to TCU who didn't look overly impressive against an, an FCS school last weekend. But I do feel like on the offensive side of the ball, Colorado was legit. Um, Shador Sanders has statistically been the best quarterback in the country this year, which is really crazy to say because I remember I was dogging on Colorado. You were, big time. you were. I was, we were I was dogging kinda, on them big time. <laughs> we were both not on the on the Colorado. I'm I'm not on the Colorado train. I I do. I will say I do think the job that um, Dion Sanders has done with that team 
is incredible. Yeah, um, I mean, even even if they go seven and five or six and six, they're still night and day compared to yeah. last year. You know, and what? it just shows what a good coach can do. I mean, it, yeah. it kind of it it reminds me a little bit of when Dennis Erickson came to town in Corvallis, mm-hmm. and and just getting the guys to believe now. Doing that with like an entirely new roster is, is still it, a little. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, but um, I I do think it will be. I mean, they have Colorado State this weekend, so yeah. I mean, and and they have the big noon or or game day and going. Game day. Yeah, it's it, they've had big noon like two weeks in a row. I mean, three. The fall yeah, so three. now it'll be three. It's gonna. It, it's kind of crazy to think about. Um, and then if they if and when they beat Colorado State, can you imagine the hype train then? When the next week when they come to Oregon, Oregon. I oh mean, is it is it crazy to say game day goes there again? I, I yeah, I mean, I mean that's a stack week with there's there's a bunch of top twenty five games, but I feel like with the you know the national attention that Deion Sanders gets, those yeah, uh, I feel like they're gonna kind of push for Deion, Deion, Deion until a team comes out and just slows them down. Yeah, and I I do think things kind of start to change a little bit when they play against Pac-12. Yeah, I do. Lot. Yeah, I do think, yeah. I mean, TCU really don't, didn't, that doesn't look all that good. Nebraska looks more like last year, hot garbage. And then Colorado State's not a great team. But I do feel like, I mean, I, to me, there's just too much unknowns until Oregon. I, I do, I will say they are much better than what I expected. Yes, they and then, so another team that has surprised me this season, and not that I thought they would be bad, but that win against Wisconsin this week was big, is Washington State. Um, yeah. I, I, so that game in less than two weeks, the on the 23rd, 4 o'clock, Fox, Fox uh, National game, primetime. Kind of ironic there. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, that one's shaping up to be a huge, huge game. Are you surprised by how Washington State has looked? To an extent, yeah. I mean, I I did say Washington State was the biggest trap game on the schedule in my eyes, but now they're I don't I, I wouldn't say they're a trap game anymore. They're a they're a, a legitimate top twenty five team. Um, Cam Ward looks way more comfortable than he has last year. Um, I I think Jake Dicker, he's got his guys. They're in the same boat as Oregon State, so he he's got his guys as um in the same you know chip on their shoulder mentality and. Um, I do think, um, yeah, with Washington State, I think they are going to come out and give every team their all this year because they've got a lot to prove. And I, I did love what, what uh, Jake Dickard said in the post game uh, how Washington State belongs at the Power Five level because I think they showed the country that we, we can beat Big Ten teams and Big Twelve teams and ACC teams. And well, that's I mean, it's the same boat Oregon State's in. So yeah. That's, I mean, it's none of it makes sense. Um, anybody else? Oregon, you, did you watch any of the Texas Tech Oregon game? We were up in the press box. For yeah. We watched little bits of it. Um, I've skimmed the box score. I haven't really looked at it. Um, Came from behind. The, at, you yeah. Know. Again, I just, I'm not buying their defense. I mean, again, Tyler Shuck, the quarterback, ran for 100 yards, which makes me wonder what's DJ going to do. And the Texas Tech running back had. Average 11 yards a carry, six carries, six, six yards. Not sure whether all those were on a big chunk play. I didn't watch the game, but just through skimming the box score, it really just doesn't seem like their defense is better. Uh, and even if they're 
I mean, Wyoming shut down Texas Tech's offense yeah. for the most part, and they're a good. F, they're a good Mountain West team, but they aren't anything special. So I haven't been overly impressed with Oregon at all. Haven't really watched a full game. I mean, that'll change in two weeks. I'm going to watch the Colorado game against them. But um, really, for me, it's, again, wait till conference play, see the better competition, and go from there. Who are you most excited to see from the Pac-12 play? Like play against Oregon State or just? I mean, play Pac play another Pac-12 opponent. Colorado. I mean, it's just – I just want to see them play a Oregon, a USC, a Utah, Oregon State, you know, teams with good defenses and good offenses that are well-rounded on both sides of the ball compared to TCU, who has a good offense but a terrible defense, and yeah. Nebraska where that program is just not what <laughs> it mess. used to be. Yeah, a mess. Total mess, yeah. Um, it was interesting watching that Nebraska game too just because I, I heard the announcers talk about how Coach Coach Prime is building it from the, from the outside in, whereas mm -hmm. Nebraska – and Coach Rule are trying to go build from the inside out. Yeah, the and there was prerogatives. And I remember Shadur Sanders was post game saying stuff about Coach Rule and his comments. I I I haven't really looked into that, but there was some whether it was a disagreement about the way they're building the programs. There was some uh, some like beef there, I guess, between okay. Sanders and Rule. Interesting. Well, it'll be fun. Um, and this is just an early season. So Oregon State sitting 2-0 and right now. We'll take on San Diego State here this weekend. 12.30 kick at Reeser Stadium. Make sure you get your tickets. Be loud. Come out and support that team. Um, and, and show the world what uh, Oregon State is made of. Do you want to do some damn questions? We have a lot of them today. Yep, let's do it. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through them. I know you looked at it. Uh, starting right off, Tater Beaver 208 says, when will the research sound system be in place? As we mentioned kind of on the, the start of the podcast, from what we've been told from Oregon State officials is that, yeah, wherever they ordered them from, they, they were delayed. So um, they've not been installed. I think there's hope that they're here for this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're dealing kind of with third-party shipping, your guess is as good as mine. So it was not something that they planned. Um but they're doing the best they can. So I know it wasn't ideal, but um, I think having a little grace in a situation is, is probably the best. I know they're also working through some food issues and, and the concession lines. Her that was crazy. And, and being someone, so my son decided, my younger son decided to play football this year. Last minute, he was like last minute decision. He chose like, missed all the summer conditioning, all the camp stuff. He goes out for JV football. And so then guess who gets to work at concession stand duty one night? And that was my job Friday night. Can I just tell you that that is not an easy job? We seriously went through, I mean, we ran out of everything. It was nuts. Those middle school kids <laughs> with the candy and soda, no joke at the high school games. Um, sorry, I'm throwing my mouse around. Okay, Beaver Dex. Since we now have a renewed or heightened kinship with Washington State, we need to name the rivalry. What do you think? Do we need a, do we need a rivalry? We had a story on that last week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether to call it like a rivalry, but like a more of like a solidarity game where it's yeah, uh, like throw a trophy out there. Uh, there was I saw something on Twitter. I don't remember who said it. Uh, they want to call it the, the sibling civil rivalry. Cup. No, oh, it was the, the civil, civil cup, cup okay. which I like. Okay. You know, taking the civil war and the apple yeah, cup apple and just cup. kind of saying screw you to Washington, Oregon, and combining it. Um, but I do feel like that'd be cool. You know, I. 
I feel like Oregon State and Washington State have always been kind of similar programs. Yeah. You know, more of like the blue collar, hard working, you know, not none of the like glitz or none of the like the national media attention, but they just put their head down and really just go to work. And I do feel like that'd be a cool way to kind of paint the, or, you know, like paint the picture for that to happen. Yeah. Um, Digital Dam just commented, it's hard to make Washington state my rival. If it's the reverse mountain West merger, then it's Fresno state as a rival. Completely agree. Um, yeah. I, I mean, ever since I was a, a student at Oregon state, I think there was kind of this, like you said, kinship with Washington state um, and very similar egg schools. Like you said, no glitz, mm -hmm. no glamor, just get to work. And um, I hope that is shown on the field in two weeks because I think um, the two of us together are stronger, obviously, than by ourselves. And um, I think the fan bases are starting to get a little noisy and kind of are done being pushed to the side. Um, let's see. Iversoft, I think. Who's scoring more rushing touchdowns this season? Damian Martinez or DJU? Yeah, ah, I saw one. that one. I saw that one. I've kind of been going back and forth. Um, for me, I'm going to go DJ, to be honest. I just feel like he's going to kind of take over the Jack Coletto short yardage role, which he's shown. Um, not, not a knack on Damian at all. He's going to score a lot of touchdowns. I just see DJ being used more in the short yardage just because of simply how big he is. You know, He has three touchdowns through two games. Again, he, he ran for – more touchdowns at Clemson last year than DJ or than Damian did at Oregon State. Um, so I'm gonna go with DJU. He's just a big dude and, and hard to bring. He's down. massive. He's yeah. He is. If, if you ever get the chance to like see him up close, he really is like he's built like a NFL linebacker. <laughs> yeah. No, he's thick, strong. I mean, I if he gets moving, I don't see how you stop him. Okay, go Beavs two um, moves over to the wide receivers. How are we feeling about Gould, Bolden, Irish so far as the starting three? Any eyes on the guys behind them rotating in more? Yeah, you know, I've been impressed. Um, Silas especially. He was kind of my guy going in, in, into this year, and I think he's kind of starting to separate himself as the number one wideout. Granted, Gould didn't play, but in game one, Silas had six catches to Anthony's three. Um, didn't see a whole lot of them really um, in game two, which was, in my mind, a good thing, you know, you got younger guys, more game experience. Uh, Trent Walker, he made a great catch. He's going to be a guy that is going to continue to play this year. Jeremiah Noga, uh, Jimmy Valson, Jemai East. It was uh, and even um, Zach Card. Zach Card had four catches, yeah. and then the guy like Reha Hinyagi, who has spent this is his sixth year in the program, had played a lot of football, just never gotten a ball thrown his way, makes his first career catch for a touchdown. So I've liked the depth I've seen. Um, I think we're going to see Gould, Bolden, and Irish start to see some more separation now that we're starting to head like inch towards conference play. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting more of the rotation again this next Saturday and then Washington State week. I think you'll see those three kind of emerge. A lot. Mm -hmm. um, and then the tight ends. You know, he, he also mentioned Terry yeah. and Belling. So those guys are also some guys to watch. Mr. G. Gray asks, have you seen anything in the first two games to change your outlook for the Beavs this season? Any surprises or concerns? For me, just a pause of surprises. This the starting secondary. Um, they were my question mark and they've they've looked really good. So yeah. uh, all positive there. Hopefully they can keep it up. You know, 
Cordero is a good quarterback. Um, and Miles Hastings was a was the first team all Big Sky last year. So it's not like they haven't been playing good quarterbacks. They have, and they've looked really good. So I'm intrigued to see how that'll carry over to you know playing against Cameron Ward next week or in two weeks. I, I have to say that I'm really glad and I'm proud of my boy Jaden Jaden Robinson because mm-hmm. I called him out like a year ago, and he's he's having himself early yeah. good start to the season. So good, great job, Jaden. Um, P- Pat Beaverman says, I have a wedding to attend on September 23rd with a four o'clock kick. I'll be able to watch quarter one comfortably. Any tips or advice on watching two, three, and four? I don't know. Is there, is there any way you can kind of start a little cough cough maybe before the yeah, wedding? I would say just don't go to the wedding. Um, <laughs> you uh, gotta say that they're close family friends. They're from Oregon uh, state friends. Or from okay. college. So, um, okay. I don't know. When I was about, when I was right out of college, there were a few weddings that I did miss. I'm not going <laughs> Yeah. I've only ever had one fall wedding. It was the uh, Oregon State at Top 10 Arizona in 2009. And I remember I, it was my aunt's wedding. I was watching the game at, at the bar with my grandpa during most of the activities. Yeah. I, I did get married during football season. Um, but I had planned, okay, but Jake, now listen, this was the 2000 season and we had planned our wedding for a beef road game at Cal. And we had pictures during the game and we had the game piped in the church so we could hear mm-hmm. it. And then we were on our honeymoon the week the bees were at Arizona and I was back three days before civil war. And now oh, yeah. we're able yeah. to basically our anniversary, we try to take a road trip every year. So mm. it's not all bad. <laughs> I will not be having a fall wedding. <laughs> so, um, here's, a, here's a question in the live chat. Joe, Joe Swaim said, oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, Digital Dan. You popped up real quick there. Hang on. Um, any real reason why Ben gets zero snaps in a blowout? Aiden looked great, but no snaps for Ben. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan kind of touched on this um, during his postgame presser on Saturday, but Ben is a guy that's played a lot of football. He has seen it. Whereas Aiden hasn't, he's had one drive going into last or into Saturday's game, and there's nothing like real game experience, regardless of the quality of the opponent. And to get him that experience is just vital. It's a game changer. So now you have one instead of having two quarterbacks with experience, or say now it's three, which not many teams in the country can say. And I, I'll just add, I mean, yeah, you need to see what, what Aiden can do and they know what Ben can do. And I would argue that Aiden's a better quarterback. So, um, that too. I mean, you go with, you know, you got to get your number two guy ready for action because you're one injury away from needing him. Um, dad of two beefs after two weeks, what are your takeaways on the pack 12? You changed Strong. your predictions at all? Colorado. I mean, um, I mean are you, you still, I mean, cause like I had USC playing Oregon State in the Pac-12 title game. Mm-hmm. Who did you have? SC Utah, and I'm, okay. Utah. I have not been overly impressed with. Granted, okay. with Cam Rising, they could be um, a whole different team. Um, the way it's looking, it's looking like Rising's first game might be against Oregon State, which would be very, very intriguing to see that how that because really the game plan there is would be tough as a defensive coordinator to. You know, they have two years of film, but there's different personnel. You know, their playbook they've ran this year, maybe running different stuff. 
incorporating well, honestly, rising. Cam Rising coming back from ACL, anybody that comes back from an ACL, they're not they're gonna be a different gonna, player. They're gonna be yeah. different, especially yeah. game one back. Mm-hmm. So um, that'll be yeah, I'm not feeling good about that. I I feel like for me, there's a clear top three teams in the Pac-12 right now, and that's Oregon State, USC, and Washington. Okay. Um, Dad of Two Beeps also says, as I learn more, I'm starting to warm up to President Murphy. What are your thoughts? Obvi- obviously, a lot more has been going on in the background than has been reported. Any any thoughts on the on the new president? You know, um, not really. I've I've been trying to kind of tune out the realignment talk. I've just been trying to focus on this upcoming season. Um, I do feel like there the the school as a whole is actively trying. Um, they're doing what they can to try and set Oregon State up for the most success they can potentially have. Shaka from 503. We've kind of talked about this, but I just want to hear, um, I know we haven't faced a power five team yet, but how are you feeling about our offense and defense under at or above your expectation? Offense right now is pretty steady going through two games. I thought DJ has outperformed my expectations. Um, He's looked better than I thought he would, to be honest. Um, and then defensively, the defense has really exceeded my expectations. I thought the front seven was going to be really good. And what I've seen from the secondary has added on to that. They have really – I mean, obviously it's early, but they've, they're have they allowing 12 points per game through two games. And if you look at – they played an upper tier – I mean, last year they played two upper tier Mountain West teams and they gave up. 32 and 24 while giving up 28 to an FCS school. And this year the starters have given up 10 points against San Jose state and zero against UC Davis. And the one touchdown against San Jose state came at yeah, off last the block couple punt. seconds. Yep. You're right. Well, the, 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 the first one, oh, the, the second one was against yeah, the backup. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So um, the starting defense has allowed 10 points in two games. That's crazy. So that trans- para beef says, will Oregon State have the best defense in the conference again? I feel like it'll be Oregon State or Utah, to be honest. Um, okay. Really, again, too early to tell. Utah has definitely played better teams, and they felt Baylor and Florida, even though I don't think Florida's – I don't think Graham Mertz is very good. And then Baylor responded with their backup quarterback. They've held them both up to under two touchdowns. Um, so I do feel like those two are – really head and shoulders, you know, Washington don't really know enough about competition or whatnot. USC doesn't look much improved. Oregon looks the same as last year. Colorado looks defensively weak. So it'll be, um, it'll be interesting to see once conference play starts, I feel like there'll be a better understanding and a better pecking order for that. Is Trent Bray the most underrated coordinator in the conference? Yeah, I would argue he's he's I would argue he's been the best in the conference. I think him and Morgan Scally at Utah are the two best. Um I think Bray's one of the best defense coordinators in the country. I mean, if you look at what the Oregon State's defense oh, has done yeah. since even since. even in 2021, where Tim Tibisar his defenses were atrocious, and then Trent Bray comes in first game against Stanford, give up 14, Arizona State 10, U- Utah State like 20. 21-24. Granted, they did give up 38 to Oregon, but Bray didn't really have full time to in- implement his scheme. Whereas now having not only one full offseason, but a second to kind of get his guys in there, 
you know, guys like Mascarenas, Jordan, uh, guys that fit what Bray wants to do, and they've now turned into really one of the better defenses in the in the country. So hopeful Beaver is stealing from Beaver Pig Dog in the lodge, but he just wants to know: Is Beaver Street the type of spot where you could hang out for an hour before the game? Let's say we had no tailgate option. Could we come early and drink a beer, etc.? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would. I didn't. I would imagine so. It's what it looks Jake, like. Jake's not twenty-one yet. Yeah, so I'm not Jake doesn't know. So I don't about really drinking know. A beer. <laughs> he he has no idea what that mm -hmm. would be like. How's yeah. the thumb, by the way, Jake? Uh, it's Jake better. had a Jake had a little mishap the game, <laughs> cut his hand. So, yeah. um, there was talk about playing the Quacks for two million. Is that true? And why is that money so low? It should be five million, if home, and ten million upon the in the landfill. That's from Lifetime B. Funny comment. We'll see what I happens. Heard my, about you know, that. my brother actually was my brother. I ran into my brother and his family at the game pregame. He he said his dream scenario would be to make all this go away. The legal fight is for the big 10 to say, we'll take Oregon state and Washington state at full, full shares. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. Um, Benny is live. Angie, do you accept my full recant of an apologies about my stance uttered in last Saturday's game drive? I've officially joined the team Four letter word. You can't say in the podcast, the rankings Four letter word, the cowardly 10. Yes. The four letter word is part of my vocabulary this year here at home. Mike Leach has an amazing I sent it to Jake the other day. Mm -hmm. It's like my yeah. pregame. It's I watch it every pregame because <laughs> anytime I'm watching any of these Pac-10 teams, I find myself saying that four-letter word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's for me. It's like weird because like normally, like I want the Pac-12 to do good, and even this year, it's like I want them to win because it looks better for Oregon State beats better teams. But on the flip side, it's like it's like that. It's like kind of like screw you guys, like. FM, hope you guys all fall <laughs> flat on your face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't care about the conference. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I am over the hurt of the Pac 12 being <laughs> dissolved. I am over my anger. And now I just, as I think it's Mr. G. Gray in the lodge, he ends every post with Go Beeves, beat everyone. <laughs> That's the high road, Jake. That's the high road you got to take. But in private, you can play. Mike Beach, the pirate from his Texas Tech days in the locker room. It, it seriously makes me laugh. And and just so you know, um, Benny is life. I, I don't, I, well, I've sworn more lately, but I actually sent that video to my mom, which <laughs> was kind of, I almost didn't, but my mom even kind of got a chuckle about it. So I think it, I think it's perfectly, perfectly okay. And the lodge will kind of asterisk out your four letter word. That is what we've got. Any other questions in the chat? We have a lot of people. Digital Dam got married in the fall. What the heck? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad you made it, and I'm glad everything is good. That will do it for today's episode of the Dam Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Machado, with Jake Hedberg. <laughs> Hoping to have another guest next week. It's really tough to get these guys with all their um, – class and film study, but I'm hoping to get another football player on as we had Jake Overman last week, but we'll be back next week, Monday for another episode of the damn podcast. Make sure to stream, turn it, tune in and also check out the lodge when you have time. Mm -hmm.